This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hi. All right, everybody, go ahead and grab a seat. Good morning, friends. I have been looking forward to being with you guys all week. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and it is my privilege to guide us for the next 35 minutes or so as we continue to connect with God. And if it's your first time here, I want to say an extra special welcome to you. We created this place for you to come in, to explore your faith, uh, to see what God might want to speak to you. And we believe at our core that God actually does want to speak to you this morning. Whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, that God has something to say specifically tailored for you. And we want to make sure we're all on the same page as we start this journey together each week. And we do that by uh, walking in and grabbing one of these programs and then pulling out this card that says start here. So if you want to go ahead and grab that, just take a second and put your name on it. And if you're a guest with us, would you trust us with your email address? You don't have to do anything with the card yet, but if I've earned your trust over the next 35 minutes or so, we're going to pass some baskets. I'm just going to ask you to drop this card in the basket. And this is just a connection card. Helps us stay connected to you, helps you stay connected to us and the things we're doing in the church, in the city, and around the world. And ultimately, we are hoping and trusting that as you continue to engage with this community, you're going to want to take next steps with God. And boy, we want to be the church that partners with you when you want to take those next steps. And this card just helps us get on the same page. The other thing you're going to want are our teaching notes, Uh, They've got some fill in the blanks. They've got some Bible verses we're looking at. And then I left two big sections blank because I want you to actively engage in one of the things we're talking about today and write in your own thoughts, ideas, examples, and opinions at two different spots. So go ahead and grab your teaching notes. My hope would be that you take these home with you uh, and that this would continue a dialogue, a conversation you'd be having with God and with your housemates and uh, with your spouse or your kids. So go ahead and get that ready. Uh, And I want to share with you something that I found out is actually kind of unique. I have had the unique opportunity to have my picture in the newspaper three times in the last eight years, which is kind of fun. I didn't realize that was unique until my wife and I were talking about it, but I want to tell you the story about these newspaper opportunities because none of these three times included a mugshot, which is great news. Now, you know, I want you to know about your pastor, but I think we have a picture of all three of them up on the screen. Uh, The top left is up Roberts Road, and this was back when I worked at Sonoma State. I was a college pastor over at Sonoma, and I would preach each week to about 200, 230 college students, but I didn't have an office, so I had nowhere to practice my sermons. So I would drive up Roberts Road, and I found this bench, and there were cows just over the hill, and each week I would preach out loud to the cows. You can see I had my hands in the air. I'd be, I'd be going for it every week, top of my voice, preaching, and uh, I'd even do an invitation to faith every week, inviting them to give their lives to the Lord and to, to you know, to put their trust in God. And and the cows became so holy. These were the most holy cows you've ever, you've ever met. I mean, they were so holy, even their milk was pasteurized. It was incredible. It was incredible. I knew there was a chance that that joke would utterly fail, but I had to try. Anyway, so one day, one day, uh, I'm up there preaching. I'm, I'm into it. You know, we're going for it. Jesus loves you. And, and there's this stranger up on another hill, taking pictures of me. And for some reason, when strange men take pictures of me, I just stand there and and let them do it. So I'm like, all right, go ahead. You're looking and you're liking, that's fine. Go ahead. So he walks over, says, I'm with a press Democrat and we want to use your picture in the paper for a story tomorrow. So I said, that's fantastic. Got that one. Uh, If we switch to the bottom right, uh, that is a picture of my little man, Landon. He's our youngest. Landon and I, we were on this old sailing ship and everybody, that 
very exciting. Uh, uh, yes, Lord? Uh, everyone else was walking around the ship, kind of looking at it, but I said, hey, Landon, what if we looked over the ship as far as we could and try to kind of get as far over as we could? And so we're in the process of leaning our bodies as far over as we could, and someone took a picture, stuck it in the newspaper. And then this last one was, uh, was just about a week ago. We were out at Bodega Bay, and that tree that I'm standing on is about 25 or 30 feet up. It was this cool maze. People were walking underneath it. And I looked up and thought, I'll bet I could climb to the top of that tree and just stand there. So I got to the top of the tree again. There's this random man starts clicking pictures. So I just kind of looked sideways, very pensive as he, uh, as he snapped some shots. And I got in the paper. And I came down from the tree, and Maria, my wife, looked at me, and she said, Kevin, how come you keep getting in the paper? She was a little incredulous, you know, because she hasn't been in the paper uh, that I know of. Uh, and I said, listen, Mo, that's why I call Maria, I call her Mo. Listen, Mo, if you want to get in, you got to stand out, right? If you want to get in the paper, you got to stand out. You can't be just like everybody else to get in the paper. And we all know that some of you on the worst side, some of us on the better side, if you want to get your picture in the paper, you got to do something to stand out. And that's largely what we're talking about in this series. We're in a series called Weird. And we call it Weird because we believe normal isn't working. Because I think that none of us really wants normal in our lives anyway. None of us really wants normal marriages. We don't want the divorce rate everybody else has. Uh, None of us wants normal finances. We don't want to dig ourselves into a debt that feels like it's strangling us each month. Uh, None of us wants normal kids. You know, we want to be able to take our kids out to a restaurant and actually sit around a table and talk to each other. None of us, none of us wants normal, normal friendships. None of us wants normal at work. And I believe we want better than normal because we were created by a God who wants better for us than normal. The Bible says that God is like a perfect, powerful, loving, heavenly father. And like any good parent, God wants better for his daughters and his sons than mediocrity, than normal, than average. And here's the thing about God that we discovered last week. God believes in you. God believes that if you are armed with the right information about the way that life works, and if you're armed with his Holy Spirit, we're told that God's Spirit lives in every single person who's a follower of Jesus, and God's Spirit uh, teaches us truth and then empowers us to do the things that we're learning. So armed with the right information and armed with God's Spirit— We can actually live an above normal life. But here's what we discovered. If we're going to do that, we're going to look different. You might say we're going to look weird. And so in this series, we're talking about what would it mean in our lives this fall to to think differently, to speak differently, to act differently, to live differently. What would it look like to get weird? And we're doing it by studying a book that's all about wisdom called the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs was written by a man named Solomon who was a king in the ancient world. He was a follower of the God of the Bible and he was one of the wisest people who ever lived. And he took a lifetime of wisdom and he put it into a book. And uh, we have that in the Bible to learn from and to grow from. And what Solomon does is he says, this is common sense wisdom, or at least it was back when he wrote it. And you and I are going to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and we're going to say, well, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. But here's the trick. When we leave the church and go back to life, to our neighborhoods, to our job, to our schools, we're going to see that the common sense wisdom of Solomon is actually very uncommon in the world we live in today. So we're talking about what would it look like to experience uncommon common sense in life. And today I want to talk about work. What would it look like to get weird 
at work. And in order to get this story going, I actually got on Facebook and asked some of my Facebook friends about their best job experiences, their worst job experiences, and their most interesting. And the best ones were, were really nice and fun, but they weren't very juicy. So we're not going to talk about those. We're going to talk about worst and most interesting. And by the way, if we're not Facebook friends yet, I think we should become Facebook friends because I absolutely care what your kid wore to the first day of school. And you want to know what I had for dinner last night. So find me on Facebook. Let's, let's become friends. So I asked my friends, what was your worst job ever? And here's some of the, the top bad jobs. One gal said, I was a woman's bathroom attendant at the races here in Petaluma, which is just can't be all that sanitary. Um, a number of people said, working retail on the holidays, which is a sad commentary. It was just their worst job ever. One person said, my best, my worst, and my most interesting job was I was an egg collector here in Petaluma. It just fit all three categories. <laughs> One person said, I was literally a bean counter. I counted beans at UC Davis. That was my job. I just counted beans. Could you imagine? A bean counter. Some of my favorites were this. Uh, one guy uh, who's a friend of mine said, I dug holes for pools with just with a shovel in the adobe clay of Petaluma in November in the rain. That's, and it's, yeah, and there he is. And he's, yeah, it's like the worst job ever. But my favorite horrible job was one gal that said back when recycling became popular, she worked on uh, the conveyor belts for the recycling center and she had to be the one to sort it all as it came out. And one day they dumped a trash bag on and a dead rat flopped out and she vomited all over the recycling. She said her boss called her in and said, I don't think you're cut out for recycling <laughs> by God's good grace. Like that is the best worst job I think I've ever heard. And then other friends had really interesting jobs. One person was an, uh, taught French or taught English to elderly French people, which I think would be an incredibly interesting job. Uh, one person was a nurse in a psych ward. Talk about understanding people and learning new things. Boy, that would be an interesting job. One of my favorites, someone said they were a security guard for the 84 LA Olympics. And I actually happened to be at the LA Olympics. I was three years old in 84 at the LA Olympics. And I watched the bicycles go by me. And I think this person probably saved my life when I tried to run out to see the bicycles. So thank you if you hear this today. Thank you. But we've all had jobs, some dream jobs, most maybe less than dream jobs. Some of us work outside of the house. Others work inside the house. Uh, my wife has the privilege of doing both. She works part-time from home and is the primary caretaker for our children. And when Maddie was first born, I said, what's it like to be on perma-vacation? You must really enjoy this, always being home with our daughter. Uh, yeah. And then, and then she left to go work at a conference for three days. And it was hard work. Uh, she got home and I had a banner, a welcome home banner, balloons and flowers. And I was like a dog with my tail between my legs. I'm like, oh, this, must, this is really tough. So we're stay-at-home parents. That is a job. That's a tough job that you are on 24-7 all the time. We all work. Some of us go to school right now. School is your job. Sonoma State's back in session. The JC's back in session. Uh, your high school, junior high's in session. That's your job right now that you have to go to. And here's the thing about your job. You don't even get to choose it. You have to go to your job because your parents are making you if you're in junior high or high school. And, and for a lot of us, a job is a means to an end. We do it because it pays the bills. It offers some level of security. It keeps us in the, the lifestyle we're accustomed to. Most of us dislike Mondays. We love Fridays, we're working for the weekends. Maybe you don't mind your job 
but you don't get a lot of fulfillment out of it. Like it doesn't capture your, your destiny, why you feel like you were placed on this earth. It just kind of is this thing that you do. Can I say that is, that's totally normal? It's totally normal. Most Americans feel the exact same way about their job. But what if, what if God designed us to engage in work differently? So that regardless of the job you're currently in, what if God designed it so you could actually experience fulfillment in this job right now? You could go to work tomorrow and experience more fulfillment than you did when you left on Friday. What if God created you to work in such a way that you and I could experience his blessing in our job every day? What if God designed us to actually be influencers in our workplace every single day? What if, what if making God famous doesn't end with singing some songs here, but what if we make God famous in the workplace by the way we engage every single day? See, we spend roughly a third of our lives and a half of our waking lives at work. So wouldn't it make sense that we would try to get the most out of work? And that's exactly what Solomon teaches us in the book of Proverbs. Solomon says that there are a few ways to get the most out of work. But before I get there, I want to say this. Work is not a mistake that God made. Because I think a lot of us think, if I could just retire, that would be great. Because obviously God messed up when he created me to work. No, God actually created us, designed us to work. In fact, the very beginning of the Bible, the first book, the book of Genesis says this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in a garden, to work it and to care for it, not to punish the man. They were actually in a perfect relationship at this point, but he did it so that the man would invest himself in this world. And you and I are created to invest ourselves into this world while we're here in this short period of time. We all know that if we spend our entire lives trying to take care of ourselves, protect ourselves, surround ourselves with everything that we would want for ourselves, in the end, we actually don't experience a lot of fulfillment in that life because we were created to invest ourselves beyond ourselves. And if we spend half our time at work, wouldn't it make sense that we would invest ourselves there? So God says a lot in the book of Proverbs about work, but I would boil the whole book of Proverbs down to this sentence. God will pour out his favor on those who work diligently and honestly. Those are the two big buzzwords for Proverbs. If you read through the entire book, which I would encourage you to do over the course of the series, it's only 31 chapters. So you could take a chapter a day for the next month and really dig into it and maybe just start over because there's so much good stuff there. But if you look Proverbs from, from, chap, from cover to cover, you would see diligently and honestly. Those are the two key ways to get the most out of work. And when I say diligence, this is what I mean. Diligence is, it's like a constant or earnest effort to accomplish a task. That's what diligence is. We get up constantly and consistently to accomplish a task. And honesty is just truthfulness, sincerity. It's freedom from deceit and fraud. So I want to take some time and explore what God says in Proverbs about each of those, diligence and honesty. Let's start with diligence. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 says this, those who work their land, and in the time when Solomon was writing, if you worked your land, just like if you're a farmer today, that is an everyday job. You don't take a vacation from working your land. You work it regularly over time. It takes diligence to work your land. Those who work their land will have an abundance of food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Probably don't have any dollars either. Um, Love you, new life. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. 
Solomon's saying this, do you want to take control of your work life? Do you want to move up in the company in terms of influence? Do you want to, do you want to be able to take active next steps? Have diligent hands and you will rule. But laziness ends in forced labor. Laziness ends in slavery. Slavery to your boss, slavery to debt, slavery to the company. You ever feel like you're working for the man and you are just a servant of your company? He says, if you don't want that, work with diligence. This is one of my favorites. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. A sluggard's appetite is never filled. A sluggard is someone who is lazy constantly and consistently. And Proverbs talks a lot about the sluggard. One of my favorite verses I'll tell you about in just a second. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. When our oldest girl, Maddie, was about a year and a half old, she got into this pattern where she wasn't sleeping well at night. She was waking up two or three times a night. And dads, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about right now. I, I was not sleeping well because every time she woke up, I would have to roll over and push on Maria and tell her Maddie's awake, right? And that was interrupting my sleep flow. It's like, Maddie's awake again, honey, you know? And it just got, I got so tired of, of getting her out. So in the morning, Maddie would wake up and want to play with me, and I would have a pillow over my head because I wasn't sleeping well those days because Maria was like, come on. And, uh, and, and Maddie was like, daddy, daddy, I want to play. Maria was already up exercising, showering, probably like, you know, praying and, you know, being all holy. And daddy, get up, get up. So here's what I did in my more lucid moments. I taught Maddie her first ever Bible verse. And here's the Bible verse. Look to the ant, you sluggard. That was her first verse because the ant gets up and is diligent and works hard and the sluggard rolls over and goes back to sleep. So Maddie, at one and a half, learned her first Bible verse, look to the ant, you sluggard. And I said to her, if daddy's ever laying in bed with a pillow over my head, you walk up and you say to me, look to the ant, you sluggard. And she totally did. She'd come in in the morning, she'd pick my pillow up, one and a half, look to the ant, you sluggard. And I was like, oh, that's right, that's right, because diligence leads to gain. So that was her first ever Bible verse. So here's where I want us to act together. What does it look like to work with diligence? And I gave you a big blank. I'm going to share some ideas that I see as I look over the Bible, but I want you to write in some other things if things come up to you. What does it look like to work with diligence? Well, here are some of the things we see over the course of the Bible. One, working with diligence means that we are on time. We show up on time, even when no one's looking. We're at class on time. We're at appointments on time. We're at work on time. Diligent people figured out, figure out what's expected of them next without having to be told. Diligent people do their job completely. And then here's the other part. They do it joyfully. Diligent people play nice with others. Diligent people admit our mistakes when we make a mistake. We don't throw other people under the bus because we've worked as hard as we can. We share successes and we, we, we resolve tension quickly in the company. Diligent people volunteer for extra assignments once they've hit their quota for the month. They don't just take it easy for the last week and a half. Diligent people take responsibility on themselves to get better for the organization. Now, if you're a leader in an organization right now, if you're a boss, wouldn't you love to have a workforce like that? Full of self-starters, people who take initiative, show up on time, ready to work, resolve tension quickly, are actively looking for ways to get better. Wouldn't you want to just promote someone in your company who's like that? I have a question for us, and this is an honest question. 
do you want to have influence at the place where you work? Or do you just want to be a cog in the wheel? Do you want to have influence? Do you want other people to listen when you speak at work? Not just about work topics, but about all topics. And if you're a Jesus follower, can I ask you this question? Do you want to make God famous at your workplace? It doesn't happen by passing out leaflets. It happens by adding value to the organization. When you and I begin to work diligently and add value to an organization, to a classroom, to a school, to a household, you know what happens? The people around us take notice of it. They start being drawn towards us. They want our opinion. They want our insight, even about non-work-related things. People, we found this over and over again. If you are one of the best workers in your company, people will actually listen to what you have to say about God because you add value, and they want that. I have a friend, and we're going we're gonna to call her Lisa because that's her name. So we're going to call her Lisa today. Lisa is a diligent worker, and I've had a front row seat to watch her diligence pay off. She's a kindergarten teacher at the school where my daughter's now in second grade. And Lisa works with diligence. All the things I just described, that describes her to a T. She works with excellence in everything she does. And because of it, she has gained unprecedented influence in the school. Just recently, they made her the person in charge of leading their staff meetings. The kindergarten teacher leads the staff meetings. This kindergarten teacher sets the tone for all of the other educators at this entire school. And people come to her weekly, if not daily, and they ask her questions, questions about education, questions about parenting, questions about marriage. I'm amazed. I always walk in, because you know me, I like to walk in on people when they're having conversations. So I always walk into her classroom, and they're just talking about life and relationships, questions about faith. She works in a school, and to this point, best I can tell, roughly 20 people have come to New Life and encountered God because of her direct influence at the school. When a number of educators would say, I can't talk about my faith in the school system because of her diligence and the influence that she has in that school, it opened the door for her to make God famous. That's the power of working with diligence. Now let's talk about honesty for a few minutes. Proverbs has a lot to say about honesty, and it's exactly what you would think from a God who is completely just, completely holy, um, completely full of integrity. Here's what Here's what God says about honesty in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 20, 23 says, The Lord detests differing scales, and dishonest scales do not please him. And we're talking about scales, think like, um, think like balance system, where you would put a certain amount of goods on one side, hay or grain or wheat, and you'd put money on the other side, and it would balance out, and then you would, you would do the transaction. But it'd be very easy if you were owning the scales to make the scales unbalanced so you could either get more grain or more money for less product, depending on how you wanted to do it. It was an easy way to cheat or be dishonest in the ancient world. And Solomon says, God, he detests differing weights. Dishonest scales don't please him. Verse 22, one who oppresses the poor to increase their own wealth, as well as one who panders to the rich, who gives gifts only to the rich, Both come to poverty. God gets really punchy when it comes to honesty. Like, really punchy. He says, I detest dishonesty. I hate it. It infuriates me. And here's the thing we need to know. God will not bless 
us in our work if we cheat? If we cheat the government, not giving them the taxes that we owe them? God will not bless our work if we cheat our employers. If we cheat the amount of time because we're spending an hour on Facebook and we should be working, we're taking an extra long lunch, we're coming in late. If we cheat them of resources, company equipment. Listen, can I just say, um, field testing indefinitely is the same as stealing. Okay? It, just, it just is. Why is it so quiet in here? That's dishonesty. You're saying, yeah, but everybody field tests products at work. That's normal. Right. You're right. But we don't want to be normal. Right? We want to get weird at work. He says, I especially, God says, I especially will not bless a company or an organization that marginalizes the poor. People who are already taken advantage of, people who are already at their lowest spot. If you take advantage of them, if your company takes advantage of them, you might make more profit, but I'm telling you, God will not bless that type of work. And that could look like shipping products out overseas, but not paying a livable wage because you can get away with it. God will not bless that. It looks like working here and looking at cost of living in Sonoma County and not paying your people a workable wage to live there. God detests it. He wants us to work and live with integrity. But let's be honest. No one wants to work for someone who's dishonest anyway. You don't want to have a boss who's dishonest. And if you're a boss, you don't want to work with an employee who's dishonest. We don't. Here's why. When we are dishonest, we wreck our good name. We put a smudge on our character. And character, our our good name, it's one of the easiest things to lose. And it's one of the hardest things to regain. Once you've been marked as a dishonest person because you've been caught in a lie, it is so hard to regain the trust of your employer. So he says, do you want to be blessed by God at work? Live in honesty because it carries your good name along with it. And for those of us who are Jesus followers, it goes one step deeper because when we are dishonest, we don't just put a smudge on our good name. We put a smudge on God's good name. And people around us think, well, if if that's what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, I don't want to be in. And that breaks the heart of God. But on the other side, just a little, little bit of, of choosing honesty when we could choose a white lie. Choosing, choosing ruthless honesty when we could get by with a little bit less. Boy, you'll be amazed at the impact it has. Just a few months ago, uh, Maria and I and our kids were going fishing. And so we had to get two year-long fishing licenses, One for myself and one for Maria because I'm hopeful that she will really get excited about fishing. Fishing licenses are $47 a piece for a year-long license. And I'm doing the math as I'm buying this, thinking, how many fish could I buy for $47 a piece? Will I really catch that many fish? You know, but it's the experience. So we went, we were with the kids, bought the licenses. A week later, uh, the kids are in bed. Maria says to me, hey, we bought two licenses, but they only charged us for one. We only paid $47. We didn't pay for both. And I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll go back tomorrow. We'll make it right. So the kids got up, and I got to have this great teachable moment with our kids. I said, they only charged us for one, but we, we, we got two. So we're going to go back because God loves it when we're honest. It honors God, and it honors the people around us. So we're going to go back, and we're going to pay. So I took our two kids, Maddie and Landon, in tow. We went back. I went to the assistant manager and said to her, you only charged us for one, but we bought two. I'd like to pay the $47 for the second one. She did not know what to do with me. She was like, oh, what? Uh, oh, no one's ever done that. Hold on a second. So she calls her manager in the back, and they're figuring it out. Meanwhile, she calls two teenage boys over, and she's like, this guy wants to pay for an extra fishing license, even though we didn't charge him for it. And, and they're all shaking my hand, like, wow, thank you. This is amazing. 
And so I went with this teenage guy. I paid for the license and the assistant manager comes with her manager and says, you know what? We want to reimburse you the $47 because we don't want to charge you because you had such good integrity and no one has ever done this at Dick's Sporting Goods. So we want to, we want to give it to you for free. Fantastic. That's a win-win. And in the midst of it, Maddie, they asked us, why are you doing this? I said, hey, Maddie, who's in first, going into second grade. I said, Maddie, why are we doing this? And Maddie said, well, because we want to be honest because it honors God and we want to honor you. So my seven-year-old got to tell these people about God because of a little honesty. Fast forward a month, I went back to Dick's because we had to buy a few other things. And it's the same teenage boy with his little headset on. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, you look familiar. How do I know you? I said, well, we bought shin guards and socks. We bought a fishing license. And so then we're talking and he walks five steps. He swings around, looks at me. And this is what he said. He said, I know you. You're the guy who came back and paid for the fishing license. You're the nicest guy I've ever met. And he shakes my hand again. And then he gets on his walkie-talkie and says, hey, hey, remember that guy who came back and paid for the fishing license? He's here, like I was a celebrity. He, he's in the building. And he said, what do you want, Kevin? What do you want? And I said, well, I'd like this and this. Okay, he's walking me around. He's like, this is the best price. You don't want that one. You want this one. Took me to fishing. He said, here, call this friend over. Help Kevin out. Whatever he needs, you get it for him. Now, I want to ask you a question. If I applied for a job at Dick's Sporting Goods, do you think I'd get it? <laughs> yeah, I'm like a celebrity there. Why? Because <laughs> I was honest, honest. Common sense, right? You don't get charged for something, you go back and pay for it. But it is uncommon in the world we live in. Do you want to get ahead in your company? Do you want to experience God's blessing in your classroom? Have honesty. Honesty. I can't overemphasize it enough. Here's what it looks like. It means when you get the plans from that other company and they missed something in your favor, you call them up and say, hey, you actually missed something. We owe you some money. That's honesty. It means... When you're paying taxes for your company or individually, we don't just pay the taxes that we can't get out of. We actually pay our taxes. That's honesty. It means we don't steal. It means we don't badmouth other departments. We don't slander other people. We don't throw other people under the bus because we didn't get our job done. That's honesty. Students, it means we don't plagiarize. We don't take someone else's work as our own. It means we don't cheat It means we don't lie about why we didn't get the paper in on time. And you're thinking, but everybody tries to get away with it, tell their teacher why they didn't get in on time. Everybody does that. That's normal. It's true. It's true. It's true. But I don't think we want normal. I think we want better than normal. Here's one that's crazy. It means only calling in sick when you're sick. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. But you're, you're telling me that I can't use a sick day as an extra vacation day? Everybody does it, Kevin. Everybody, everybody does it. I know, I know. But I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking to my friends in this room. And we don't want to be like everybody else. We want to be, we want to be weird. We want to experience God's blessing in work. And I'm telling you, if you work with honesty and diligence, chances are you will rise up in the organization. Now again, Proverbs are not ultimate laws. They are general truths. Meaning this, if you do this, 
Time after time, over a lifetime, generally speaking, you will get these results. So living with integrity, living with honesty, working diligently over time, over a lifetime, will generally get you these results. It doesn't mean that you might not get fired because you blow the whistle on something because your company is not having integrity. But over time, choosing that will give you the things that you really want in life. It will give you God's favor, sometimes in the form of a new idea, sometimes in the form of a good name in your company. People know, boy, that gal, that guy, they're the ones I want to work with because I know they always do right by me. That real estate agent, I I know that they'll do right by me. I'm going to go work with them. Our name just gets out. It's a good name. Maybe it's a new contract, a new relationship, a new market, a new mentor. I don't know, God. God blesses us in so many different ways. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's in a promotion. Because God genuinely wants to bless our work. He does. He wants to bless your school. He wants to bless your vocation. If you're a stay-at-home parent, he wants to bless your raising of your children. God wants to bless us. And, and here's what happens when we become weird at work. Three really neat things. One, we generally find more fulfillment. Regardless of what our work is, we generally find more fulfillment because we're working in a God-honoring way and we're partnering with God. Because work ultimately is not about our boss or our company. It's about honoring God in the process of our daily lives. And when we honor God at work, we find more fulfillment with God on the journey. Generally speaking, if we work this way, we will get noticed in a good way. God will begin to pour out his blessing. Others will see that we're engaging with work differently. And more often than not, that will be a good thing for you and your company. And then the third thing is this. They'll begin to see that we are engaging differently and they'll begin to ask questions. What's different about you? You've changed. What is it? And that opens the door for us to help God get noticed. We find fulfillment. We get noticed. God gets noticed. And if you're a Jesus follower, isn't this what we want at work anyway? We want to work in such a way that God gets noticed, that that God is, if you want to use this word, glorified in the things that we do, that he gets the glory for our job. I dream of a day when the unemployment rate in our church is zero. Because every time an employer in Sonoma County has a job opening, they call me and they say, Kevin, do you have any new lifers who are looking for work? They'll probably say to me, you know what? I'm not sure I want to be a Christian, but I sure do like hiring them because they're the best workers. They don't cause trouble. They work hard. They have integrity. Wouldn't that be amazing? If worker, if employers were calling me to find you, if I could be like your temp agency to get you out there because we're so good at honoring God in our work. And here's the great thing. We dream of being a church that changes the spiritual culture of our community. And it's not going to happen primarily through great worship services. It's going to happen when 600 of us leave this church and live differently, work differently, act differently. I'm telling you, you'll get noticed in a good way. God will be glorified. It will change the spiritual culture of our community. Imagine 600 companies with us infused into them, working diligently, working with extreme honesty. How how much that could change the company, how much that could change the spiritual climate of the place where you work. You can be the change agent that God wants. As we wrap our time up together, I want to talk about our spiritual condition Because when it comes to our spiritual condition, God actually uses those two words, diligence and honesty. God is completely honest with us about where we are when we don't have a relationship with him. And here's what God says. God says that we've got this thing called sin. It's it's a sin nature that dwells inside of us 
that compels us to, to do things and say things and, and dwell on things in our minds that are hurting us and that are hurting other people and that are separating us from God. And we can't actually overcome it ourselves. That's why you can't be as good of a person as you want to be because the sin nature is compelling us. It guides us. And here's where God gets brutally honest. He says, and that sin has separated you from me completely and there's no way for you to get to me. And this is where God worked with diligence because God left heaven and came to earth in Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man. And he lived a perfect life, a sin-free life. And then he gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Our sin that separated us from God was put on Jesus, our God. And he experienced the penalty of our sin. And then he rose from the dead, breaking the power of sin and death and destruction because of a third word, and that word is love. Because God loves you. And God offers to us as a gift, something that we could never achieve on our own, which is forgiveness of sin and a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when we enter into that relationship, it changes our life here and it actually seals our eternity with God forever. It's the greatest thing you could ever do with your life. And as we wrap our time up together, I want to give you the same invitation I gave to the cows every single week. I'm just going to crack a pun there, but I'm not going to. I want, I want, I want for you, for you to experience God's best in your life. I want that so badly for you. I pray for you all the time. I want you to have a relationship with your heavenly father. I want you to experience his forgiveness. It changes everything. I want that for you, but I cannot choose it for you. I can only give you the opportunity. And if you're here today and you're ready to take advantage of that opportunity, that great gift of salvation, then I want to give you a chance to do that. So I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to give you a chance to commit your life to God, to repeat a prayer after me and say to God, God, I want to give my life to you and follow you for the rest of my life. It's the best choice you could ever make. So if you're ready to make that decision, would you join me in prayer? Let's close our eyes together. If you want to make that decision, you can repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me, that you have a plan for my life, and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want to have a relationship with you, God. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you teach me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward? And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you made that decision today, I want to tell you that is the greatest decision you could ever make. It's not always the easiest, but I'm telling you it's always the best because God will partner with you in this life and lead you to truth about how life works and will give you the power to live the life you were created to live and it seals your eternity with God. It's the best decision you could ever make. As we wrap our time up together, I want to draw our attention back to these Start Here cards. We've got about three more minutes. So if you could grab this card, you've already got your name on it. And if you're a guest with us, you've already got your email on it. And I feel like we've built some pretty good trust. So you're going to want to drop this in the basket in just a few minutes. But before we do that, would you flip that card over to the back? And halfway down, it says, I want to apply today's teaching by. And I always like to give us ways to apply the things we're learning. And the first is for you if you made that decision to commit your life to God today. It says, I'm entering into a first-time relationship with God. If you prayed with me and made that decision, would you mark that on your card? Because I want to pray for you this week. We want to pray for you by name. We want to get some resources into your hand to help you take some next steps on this journey because you are not alone. You're not alone. You're part of a community and we want to partner with you in any way we can. And the next one's for all of us. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, this is just going to make you better at work because God knows the way that work is best. It says, I'm going to look at my work 
and make sure I'm working with diligence and honesty in every area. And might I suggest that you start with honesty and then move to diligence? Because if you don't, you're going to be dishonest about how diligent you work. So start with honesty. Am I being honest at work? And then move to diligence. I'm telling you, if you do it, and if you begin to live out the ramifications of what you're experiencing, it could change your job forever. You could find more fulfillment, more joy, and God's blessing in it. And boy, I would love that for you. Well, in just a second, we're going to pass some baskets and receive the offering as well. So if you came prepared to give, you can put your tithes and offerings right inside the envelope inside your program. You can also text to give. We have the number up on the screen. Uh, And it's just a great way for us to partner with God and to leverage back some of what God's given to us for the sake of what God wants to do in this community, in the cities that we love and around the world. So it's just a great part of our worship service. If you're a guest with us today, please don't feel obligated to give. We want the service to be a gift to you. In fact, we have gift bags out there for you at Guest Central. So on your way out, grab one of these bags. I'm going to make my way around to Guest Central. I'd love to chat with you after service, hear how you found out about New Life. So hang out for a few minutes so we can chat. Let's pray and then we'll pass those baskets. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to wrap up our worship service by worshiping you with our resources. Thank you that as we practice generosity, God, you do a great work in us in helping us to be the generous people that we know we want to be, and that you do a great work through us, Lord, using these resources to break down barriers that would help our community connect with you. So we're thankful for this time, Lord. Would you take this money? Would you use it uh, to bring you glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to highlight one thing. This is a fifth Sunday of the month, and you wouldn't know that unless you are in church work, most likely. But on the fifth Sunday of the month, we invite our Alive Student Ministries team to do guest services for us. So these are some of our Alive students. I just want to say thanks to them uh, for partnering with us. Here at New Life, we believe that the junior hires and senior hires and college students aren't the next generation of world changers. We believe they're this generation of world changers. So we're empowering them on a regular basis to lead and love. And I love what you guys are doing. So thank you for that. Hey, I have a parking lot update for you. Um, I just heard from our general contractor on Friday that the parking lot should be paved somewhere in the first week of October. So here's what we know. Somewhere in the next five weeks to like five years, this parking lot will be done, which is very exciting. I am learning. How many of you have ever done a home project, like a home construction project, a home whatever? I'm learning because I don't, I'm a renter, that projects usually run longer than they say. Have you guys learned this? This is incredible. I had the privilege of learning it in front of 600 of my friends as I gave you guys dates and things. Uh, We got in there, we're digging, and found out there was asphalt like two feet below the dirt. So they had to dig the asphalt out, dig lower. uh, And so it's pushed things back, and it has taken us over budget. How many of you who had a home project went over budget? Another thing I'm learning right now is that home projects or church projects tend to go a little over budget. We're meeting with our general contractor tomorrow to talk about how over budget we are and figure out what that's going to look like. Um, So here's what I would ask of you as our community. I would ask that we pray together about this meeting tomorrow. It's myself, our general contractor tomorrow morning, and a few of our pastors, our finance pastors, some other folks, just talking about what the overage is going to look like. And then would you pray about how God is going to meet that gap, how he's going to fill it? We've seen God's hand in this project all the way through. Uh, We're trusting that God's going to meet this gap and to fill it in a way that only he can, in a way that brings him honor. So would you guys just pray with me about that? I will give you more information as I know more information. Uh, I will not hold anything back from you, but I would value our prayers because we're in this together. Uh, This isn't my parking lot. This is our parking lot. And so I'd like us to be praying together about what that looks like. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you back here on Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. 
You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.